Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. has sprung and with it I am behind as it's springing forward things are blossoming blooming trees look lovely I feel more behind than ever uh, which is why this podcast is coming to you late I apologize to anybody that was anxiously waiting uh, this yesterday Monday uh, because I, I wasn't ready I, I really wanted to put out a personal podcast today. I rerouted a whole bunch of stuff since I, I was behind for two weeks uh, post, post Omaha. And I have several people that are pre-recorded that I am deeply apologetic to. You're coming up, I, I promise. <laughs> I promise. All things happen in their due time. Uh, but right now, it's, uh, I think it's important for me to follow this, this pool inside of me to run this podcast as, as, I, as I think it needs to be and take full accountability. That's really where I'm at right now. I don't know how anybody else feels with the coming of spring, but with it, I think, is very natural things to be feeling. Like a big cleaning house kind of thing is going going through me. Uh, after Omaha, which was incredible, I, uh, I, was, I was reinvigorated as I knew I would be. Very tired though, because I, when I got back, I think, you know, my body is not as... I don't, I don't even want to blame it on that. I, I, I was going to say that I'm older now, but I, I think it's... it's definitely the product of not doing certain things that I know I need to be doing and I'll come right off of that so you know my body after traveling for almost two weeks and driving a significant amount of time and everything it just it was more hammered than I thought than I thought you know and uh, and I think my energy was low getting back into everything that I um, had going on here before I left. Uh, it was just, it was more than what I imagined it would be. And I, I don't think that's atypical for most people. You know, when you go away, even if you're still working, you're in, you're in a different space. You know, that's part of the reason why I like visiting other studios is that I can partake in a different rhythm for a while than my own and I'm not confronted constantly with all of the loose ends that I have right here at home because you know when you're when you're local and you're you know you're you're in a space there's just things that that come up frequently uh, for example right before I left for Omaha our our dryer went up in our house like the last load of laundry I did I ended up having to hang dry and leave Rico with fixing something in our home 
as soon as I was leaving. And, you know, part of me was kind of like, wow, you know, is this a sign that I shouldn't go or anything like that? And in my mind, I was like, no, I, I think this is just a sign that, that life keeps going. And it also was a remarkable opportunity for Rico to uh, be a part of our house and, and fix something. He's That's been his job lately. He just had to fix something today. Uh, when I woke up today, I went out to my car. I was ready to go see my acupuncturist, John, John Simmons. I've run uh, a, a brief ad before to let you guys know about him. He's fantastic. Uh, practices out of a, a wee studio or spa in uh, Lutherville but anyway I was about ready to go see him and my car wouldn't start and it was most certainly the battery it wasn't flipping over so I walked back to my house and I was like babe I need your car you know my car won't start and literally as soon as he knew that he drank a cup of coffee and went outside and started fixing that so just to give you guys like a, a for instance about this is that Life, life just keeps coming, you know, like it, it just does, you know, I can't, I can't force, nor would I choose to, the, the, the trees to stop blooming just for it to be the right time for me to get out there and experience them. I'm currently inside today and I kind of have to be as much as I want to go out, put my feet in some dirt and my hands in some dirt, which by the way, a uh, good thing to understand if you um, if you stick your hands into bought uh, dirt like potter's dirt do not do that uh, you can actually get uh, kind of like a uh, it's like a fungal parasite from that or just a, a complete allergy from it Rico did it uh, one year not thinking anything of it and ended up breaking out in this really horrible, like, it was weird. We were, we were kind of scared for him because we didn't know what it was, but it turned out to be a reaction to, um, bought potting, potting dirt. And he just, you know, he, he didn't think anything of it. You know, he put his hands in it. It was, you know, it was probably due to fertilizers in the dirt, but yeah, don't, <laughs> Don't be willy-nilly with that stuff as much as that's what I want. That's a, a very romantical, romantical, uh, romanticizing of spring. And I guess that's a, that's a, that's a really good place to, to go into this particular, particular podcast with is that I, uh, I'm kind of feeling confronted by all of the realities of things. And, you know, I know most of us like to live in our heads. You know, it's, it's, it's a fun place to stay if we can stay there. Um, you know, I, anything's possible in our heads. But the reality of things always comes in quick. And, and... As I've, as I've spent the past few minutes like telling you about that it just happens and you got to deal and you got to move forward. So a lot of, a lot of what I've been experiencing lately has been, um, kind of a call, a call to, 
turn up things. You know, I, I think it's pretty typical. Like I said, uh, everything's stirring right now. Winter's, you know, behind us. Buds are blooming. You can hear the birds in the trees. The animals are coming out. We're feeding the animals. Things are getting green again. My hope is, is that this is also happening for Omaha as well. <laughs> when I went out there, it still very much so felt like, like winter. And I would imagine that it probably is still a little bit colder than it is here. So I'm hoping that they're seeing more brighter days out there. It's pretty gloomy when I went out. And actually, as I was traversing through all these different states in order to get there, I, I saw such a variety. I, you know, I saw rain, snow, just general gloominess, sleet. Uh, while I was there, there was in, intermittent days of different, different, uh, different weather happenings. We had one day, it was like 65 degrees. It was crazy. It was beautiful out. It might have even been 70. But that was like the one day that we had that was really warm. And then it was right back to just like, and I, when I say right back to cold, it was like brutal cold. Like uh, really not comparative to the kind of cold here in Maryland, at least that I could tell. It was, it was really to the bone. And that's saying something coming from Maryland because Maryland, I mean, I think Maryland did used to get like that, but I haven't felt that kind of cold in a while. So... That was an, not even when I went to Minnesota, because Minnesota was like a dry cold. It wasn't, this cold was like, it was, it was very familiar. I, I told everybody when I was there, I was like, you know, Omaha seems a lot like Maryland in that it's bipolar. It, it might even be a little bit more manic <laughs> than Maryland in how it likes to operate. I, I, I feel like you guys experience the very similar roller coaster ride with this weather here and they were like yeah you know it does that I would imagine it just comes from you know being middle America you know you're just and and these rolling hills and flat plains and everything and just you you kind of catch everything from you know all all sides it's it's interesting I wanted to uh, again shout out 10th Sanctum in Omaha. They are a wonderful host. I saw they just recently got a new artist. Uh, so I'm, I'm putting my, my prayers uh, out to them that everything goes smoothly with that, that I'm sure it will. Uh, everyone there was lovely and, and welcoming and accommodating, but I, I'm, I'm happy for their, their new artist. I'm sad I didn't get to meet him. Um, but yeah, they have a new artist there. Uh, right after I left, I saw the post. And uh, I, I, I want to go back. I, I haven't reconnected with Jeremy there yet to, to check it out. But I would like to go back. It was a really wonderful place. And now I have reasons to go back because I have clients that have gotten to experience me. So, you know, in talking about that a little bit, I went out there with nothing. I went out there with no expectations, just really the want, honestly, to, to hang out. I met Dave Koenig, which, by the way, I called Koenig for a while. I don't know why. I think I just liked the way it sounded, <laughs> to be honest with you, but it's Koenig. Uh, Dave Koenig's work, I've always loved it, and I met him at a tattoo convention, Hell City, out in Arizona one year, and, uh, he just struck me as a very real person, you know, and I, I liked it right away. 
the vibe and just his general whatever. He was he was very sweet and very not sweet in like a saccharine way, just like a I, you could just tell he was a down to earth dude. And I really appreciated that about him and I remember you know saying I wanted to buy some of his prints and I think he gave me a couple like on the house. I think I gave him some money because I couldn't I couldn't let him just give me give me something like that because it was too cool. His work's too awesome. And uh and yeah, so I I remembered him and I tracked down where he works and I was like, "Wow, Omaha. That's like middle of nowhere." Never been there though, so let's go. And from what I could tell of everybody that worked at the studio, which was a large studio, everybody was solid, man. Super good artists. And I, I was like, this seems like a cool place. And I love the name. It's uh, it's actually, um, I believe, uh, 1010 10th Street. So that's the, the address is 1010 10th Street. Uh, in Omaha city in Nebraska. So I liked, I liked the number correlations. I liked the idea of a sanctum. It felt like that for me. Um, it was a really cool thing to do right before the spring started springing. And I got this wonderful opportunity to hang out with my aunt as well, who traveled out there with me. As far as family connections, that was something that was a gift. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. It was just a gift. A gift to experience her on that level. We've never done anything like that. She's always wanted to travel, and she's definitely a wanderlust kind of person. And uh, it was cool because she got to see what I do and how I do it and the kind of pace that it can be and and... And just see how it all, how it all happens, uh, and and watch it. And I got to I got to hear a lot of stories about her that I never really knew, and um, bond with her. We we had our mornings together. It was really cool. So uh, that was amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I I'm just so blessed that I got to experience all of that. And when I went out just so everyone knows I didn't have any I didn't have anybody lined up to tattoo now and and I I didn't have anybody beyond Omaha or on my way back to stop at either you know usually when people do that kind of journey especially in a car they usually plan like a tour like they're going on tour and they're going to stop from one tattoo shop to the next until they find their way back home. I might do that now. I really, this I think was the, the start of something like that, just because I had such a great time doing this and I think I would have an amazing time uh, extending this and doing a lot more of the country and checking out some other artists. Uh, Dave, Dave gave me some, some artists to check out, I believe in, um, in a, I no in Illinois, I believe it was Illinois, and uh, just just some wonderful spots along the way. Um, there's Kansas City isn't far from where I was, at least that I can tell. I mean, if you're already out there, if it's an hour and a half, two hours away, that's not far. When you've 
when you've already driven 17 hours. So, um, I could, I could definitely see, um, doing that, you know? Uh, but it was all very rare and I feel like, I feel like something was, I don't know, looking out for me the whole time because after the dryer broke at my house, like everything else went very, very smoothly and not, and, and any number of things can happen. Y'all, I mean, you know, I'm not devoid of understanding the risks of what can happen to you. Uh, the car could have broken down, you know, something could have happened while I was away, you know, uh, I even had like a mini panic moment with my aunt where I didn't show up back home at a time that she was kind of had gotten into a rhythm of me coming home by a certain time or hearing from me at a certain time. And she panicked and she realized that she was in a foreign city in an Airbnb where she didn't actually engage with, with the rent, you know, the, the guy, Travis, who was our Airbnb host. She had no connection with him, and I had no connection with him apart from Airbnb. And she didn't, I wrote down the address of the tattoo shop, but she didn't have a car or anything. So when she didn't hear from me, she was like, she kind of, she kind of freaked a little bit. Um, but, you know, we managed that, and I, I kind of let her know, like, hey, you know, <laughs> tattooing, man, I, I've gotten home sometimes beyond midnight at night just because you, you, one, you lose track of time, like as you're enjoying someone and you're, I mean, it's like if you're, you're visiting a friend, honestly, and you haven't seen each other for a long time and you're drinking and talking and eating and hanging out. And then all of a sudden you look at the clock and you're like, whoa, it's late, man. We have just, we've been just enjoying every second of this and forgetting that time even exists. So that's how it is usually with me and tattooing and experiencing people. But it's even more so like that when I'm removed from anything that's normal to me. And I'm, I'm dealing with a completely new person in a completely new shop in a completely new place, you know, like, so it's, it's pretty, you know, it's a lot. So yeah, I, I was blessed enough that when I got there, people showed up, you know, it's kind of that, you know, for the, for the youngsters out there, um, uh, what was it called? The Kevin Costner film where, where the phrase that I'm, I'm quoting is it's, uh, it's you, if you build it, they will come. And the movie is, oh my Lord, I got to look it up. Uh, it's, uh, I have my computer right in front of me. I got to look this up and I'll talk at you just for a second. Oh, it's probably going to come to me. Field of Dreams? Field of Dreams. I didn't have to look it up. I'm, I'm like 98% positive that's what it is. Field of Dreams. And uh, James Earl Jones. It's a good movie. You should, you should, you know, you should probably experience some, some content of, you know, all, all the all the concepts that y'all are spinning off of right now are, are concepts built upon the culture and the culture was framed by a lot of influence and art of my time 
<laughs> so, so if you would like to know uh, a little bit more about, uh, I guess, people that are getting older now, my generation, uh, you know, that might be a, a good place to start is our movies. I, w I would feel good if uh, the younger generation took the time to sit down with an hour and a half, sometimes less, but hour and a half film and actually watched it to be regaled by concepts that were going on not that long ago and maybe understand a little bit more about uh, what was going on and why, why, you know, everything that is currently going on is going on because that matters because it's history. Um, this past Sunday, I went for my first Palm Sunday um, to church, which was really cool. We had a great sermon. Uh, one of the things that our pastor does frequently is have like a, a children's section of the, the, the worship service and kids kind of sit down on the ground and gather around but this time instead of all of you know the kids coming up and having a specific sermon I thought it was kind of awesome that he uh, made the entire congregation children for the day and we all partook in the same way and that's one of the beautiful things I love about my pastor is that he he uses props he's a really great educator and uh, I've always enjoyed teachers who, who like to be more performance-based with their teaching and really illustrate things well as they're, as they're teaching concepts and, and books, history. I, ha I remember I had uh, an English teacher who also was a theater teacher and I really enjoyed his classes because he, he can make he can make Thomas Hardy seem really lively. And if you've ever read a Thomas Hardy book, uh, it, it's, it's English. It's a very, it's very old, you know, uh, I'd say middle class, upper middle class English. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, to make it boombastic or theatric or whatever, it, it, it's quite, quite the accomplishment but during Palm Sunday uh, we learned or I learned about the phrase Hosanna which means victory uh, Hosanna for the king and when uh, they brought Christ into um, into oh, I hope I get this right but basically into worship uh, they, he was riding on a, a new cult and coming in and this is right of course before he knows everybody knows that he's about well not everyone he knows he knows he's about to be crucified um, but everybody is at the time a lot of people knew he was the Messiah but from what you know I'm learning a lot of people thought that he was um, the predicted second advent of Christ where he would be the conqueror and he would be uh, quelling the enslavements of Jewish people and all the oppression that was going on by the Roman, the Roman culture at the time. 
Unfortunately, his first advent was not that. It was to assume, assume all the sins of the world and sacrifice himself uh, for that. And um, so this Palm Sunday is a huge, is a huge event. And it's, it's all about, you know, our now understanding that this was, this was the path of, of our Savior. And so we all got at, uh, at our, um, which I hope Rico doesn't throw it away. I hope, I'm just thinking about this now. I left my palm frong. He split palm frongs. That's what my pastor did. Split up palm fronds to uh, disperse throughout the congregation. So everybody had a, a little piece of palm leaf. And they were able to, you know, wave them around as we sang, sang our hymns. And anytime Hosanna was mentioned, he would we would wave the palm frond in, in symbolism of the original people who uh, were waving in Christ as he was, as he knowingly was walking towards what he knew to be his own, his own death. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty awesome thing. I share this all with you because I'm learning it. And uh, if I'm learning it, I'm going to share it with y'all. It's kind of the point of the Apprenticeship Diaries is to be a, a perpetual student of life. And this is something that's very potent in my life right now. So it would, it would be wrong of me to not share this to anyone. And anyone that doesn't enjoy, I guess, uh, tellings about Christ or uh, what, I, what I believe to be old history of human civilization and, you know, how our concepts of a lot of things shaped in the Western world. If that bothers you, I guess you can turn off the podcast at this point. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really get it because for me, I, I always take the position of take what I want and leave the rest. You know, it doesn't bother me to, to hear somebody else's story and and to understand it from a perspective uh, to take a minute to to get in that perspective really yield to it so that i can share with something that is not not currently happening and i think that you know, when we look at movies and cinema, entertainment, plays, any of it, art, that's what we're partaking in is a moment to step outside of whatever is really happening to us and digest it in a nonviolent way. Consider concepts and perspectives that are, you know, maybe difficult or whatever, but that will help us confront something very real that will very, very rightly be a part of our experience in this world, but in, in a way that's abstract and more easily uh, positioned than actually experiencing it for ourselves. And perhaps, you know, different attitudes to have within the dramas that take place. And, you know, if you're a follower of Christ, you know, the goal is to be more Christ-like. 
So, you know, to understand what attitudes you should have about your life and moving forward and how you should digest certain things that, that happen to you. You know, currently with me, what's happening with me is that I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of behind on a lot of stuff that I was hoping to be more ahead of this week. Um, I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed by all that's occurring, you know, and I, it's, it's hard to be patient. It's hard to not be self-defeatist, to be still within that. Um, but I, the reason why I bring up my faith, apart from it being uh, a cornerstone, uh, which we also talked about uh, recently. As well as it being a cornerstone of my life, it's, it's the thing that is allowing me to have calm about everything. Everything. I know that things are already kind of in motion and set. The things that I can do is to strive continually to be a better person, but the woes of the world, I'm, I'm less anxious about because I know that it's already, it's already okay. It's already as it needs to be. There's, there's little fixing that I have to do, even though there's lots of things that I know in my personal realm, I would like to see better. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a piece about that. And, and it's not pushing it aside and making it irrelevant. Far from. It's just giving me, I think, a lot more ability to be calm in the face of all that I know I need to do and know that I will do it. Uh, for instance, you know, recent things that I've been behind on or that I felt anyway behind on was as soon as I got back, you know, we had, we had to manage, uh, this dryer still was kind of, it was being delivered and then we needed a new electrical socket, most of which this was, this was done by Rico. It was just, you know, coming into the house still kind of needing to be fixed and all of that. Um, as soon as I get back, I'm very busy. I have lots of tattoos lined up, so I really couldn't commit much time to anything at home, even if I had wanted to. Um, so a lot of it was, you know, just rolling into doing, doing the jobs that I need to get done and fulfilling promises for people that I've made that, that need to be fulfilled. Uh, I have some commissions. My, my cousin, Eric, has a band. Uh, actually, it's him and my cousin Ryan both have a band together called Totally Stoked. Check them out. They're a 90s rock band. They do covers and they're very, very, very good. Um, but we're, we're working on some images for him. I am working on some images for him uh, for a launch of just new, new things that he wants to turn up. He's uh, 
he's trying to offer more branding content, more story, more more everything to his crowd. So we're we're gonna give them some things that they can they can buy and they can use. So those images are in the works. Um, the other thing is that I uh, I needed to get my taxes done. So I went and did that. And I'll tell you guys, I am, I think I've been broken uh, when it comes down to doing this by myself. Uh, a point of order for me today, along with the other things that I have strived to do today, is to look at QuickBooks invest in it and make it a part of my accounting life because I am tired officially of of hating. I mean, I'm going to hate doing my taxes anyway because it's taxation without representation. It totally is anybody that doesn't think that way. I mean, what do you think sending billions of dollars to a foreign government so that they can protect themselves is? I mean, come on. We do that every year, but we particularly did it this year and years not too long ago. We've been sending lots of money and weaponry and aid to foreign governments. Uh, it's all coming from the taxpayers, y'all, uh, because the government, just FYI, they don't make money. They don't make anything. They... They are pencil pushers who dictate where the money goes. And we're the ones. We're the ones who make the money. Or the Federal Reserve who likes to print money and water down our money to the point of where now it's looking like it's getting really real, folks. Uh, financial collapses may be on the horizon. So my hope is, is that everybody is, um, oh, you know, preparing in whatever ways that you can for that. Uh, I know I have been spiritually, physically, otherwise, uh, I got to get more on the physical as far as like working out my body. Like I mentioned before, it's, it's been suffering. I had, uh, after I got back, my aunt really has zeroed in and, and this has been a constant thing. If anybody knows me, I've had for years now a, um, a bad knee, one that has been debilitating to me and kept me from a lot of progress in my life. Um, but more than that, it's, uh, it's a, it's an excuse I don't want to have anymore. <laughs> so I, uh, I've looked into stem cell replacement and things like that. I, uh, I have gotten really in shape, but the, the kind of workouts that I was doing, it was jujitsu. Jiu so it was on my knees and I think it was counterproductive to my knee issue, albeit very, profiting to me as a person uh, mentally to understand that sport, my own capabilities, uh, all of that. I, I, I learned something very valuable, many things very valuable about myself in experiencing jujitsu, but I, I have to say that I lost all the progress that I made there as far as physical stuff, so I have to get back on that wagon. Uh, it's ever, ever present. I, I start and stop a lot and th there'll be a point where I break within that as well. Uh, just as an aside, this, um, we started watching this, uh, it was two shows. One of them was all about 
play and the essential nature of play. And I think Idris Elba was the narrator of it, but it's on, I think it was on Netflix that Rico had it on. And then that was really amazing because I thought they were going to talk about the psychology of play and how it's necessary to teach. But no, this was more about, it got you, it like got you hooked when it talked about play. And then when you realize that it was really more about embracing suffering, which I mean, how, how very astute a thing to, uh, land on right before Good Friday and then what will be Easter Sunday. So very symbolic. I was watching it and, and wouldn't you know the first person that they highlight is this girl named Amy who lost her leg uh, in a, I think it was a car accident, they said. And she had always wanted to serve in like the military or you know, police force, she's always wanted to be in top physical condition. Um, but she lost her leg. And I think she had like 34 surgeries that she had to go through. Um, and all, all to eventually, you know, need her leg removed anyway. So suffering is huge. And so, you know, you meet her in this, in this uh, documentary about play and suffering where she is in the longest foot race in the world and it's in a desert and she's doing this with one leg. You know, she's got her prosthetic help and her um, walking sticks, but she's doing this completely, you know, you know, against all odds. I, she doesn't, I don't, she didn't make the race. She didn't uh, make it to the end, but she took on something that, most people with two legs would never even think to take on. And for her, embracing suffering, embracing pain means so much. And while we were watching it, Rico was like, wow, I wonder if they're gonna, they're gonna get into tattooing. And already in my mind, I mean, I, I've met some pretty gnarly tattoo artists uh, and, and tattoo collectors who have sat through things that I, I would have, I call it hate your face mode. I would have already been long into hate your face mode, tipping into like, I don't know, like probably the shakes because my body would just probably be rejecting everything that was happening to me and, and i watch these people, you know, go through such incredible suffering in order to have the tattoos that they have. It's, I mean, even as a tattoo artist, it blows my mind and, uh, you know, I witness this all the time, but I was thinking as I'm watching this woman, Amy, do this foot race, I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I, th I think that might be beyond tattooing. I don't know. But I, for me, that's beyond tattooing. That's, uh, that's, that's like a whole other level. But I think the psychology is the same. For sure. Uh, I think that, you know, when we, when we know what we want, there's really no amount of suffering uh, that we need to feel in order to conquer it. It's just, we know it's what we need to do and we've made a decision and we're willing to fully embrace everything at all costs. And 
you know, so that we saw that. And then Rico fell asleep during that, which he was like, oh, you know, do you even want to watch this? And I was like, well, actually, I was, I was thinking to myself, well, actually, this is pretty awesome to watch. Um, but he was falling asleep and he had the remote in his hand and I was drawing. I was doing my job doing uh, my cousin's my cousin's swag. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you're not enjoying it, let's find something else. So we went from that to the Roku channel. And on the Roku channel, there's a really good show called uh, Handcraft, Handcrafting America or Handcrafted America. And it's, uh, it's all these incredible craftsmen that do things that have been very mechanized in our modern day world, but they do it all by hand. And it reminds me very much so, spinning off of last week, uh, my friend Carol LeBaron, you know, the kind of stuff that she does with textiles is all so, so, so like this, all by hand, hand stitching, hand dyeing. You know, her husband, Danny, he, he makes the wood blocks that actually make the formations that she stamps into the, the, the materials that she, that she, produ you know, has for these creations that she makes. It's just, it was just so incredible. And, um, that's another thing is that, you know, as, as the, the weather is changing outside, I'm. I'm feeling more called this wanderlust kind of thing as I'm looking around my house and there's lots of things that need to be done here. But then I'm also thinking about all these friends that I haven't seen yet. Carol being one of them that I really want to go to Tennessee and just spend a very significant amount of time hanging out with her. Um, I think she's pretty far away from my other friend there, Tom Seast, but he, they both been on the podcast now. I've only met these people via the internet and I would like to change that much like I did with Ken Madden, go out and meet them and play, maybe suffer a little together, you know, do some cool art, um, catch, catch some food, you know, whatever. But I, I would like to do that. And then I have friends of mine, uh, my friend, Stephanie, Steph, I love you. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, then no, I appreciate it. She said she was listening to the podcast more because she missed me. Uh, but she lives out in Nevada and, um, I need to go visit her, her and her husband, Jeff. Uh, they've been inviting us out for a while, not to do anything more than hang out with them and spend some time. They have a beautiful new home out there and, uh, you know, lovely puppers and I would like to go visit her. So, there's some cool stuff. There's also my cousin, my cousin Kim. She lives out in Montana. Uh, I haven't been out to visit her yet, and I really, really want to. So I talked to my mom about doing that with her. I think that would be a really good mother-daughter trip uh, to go out and experience. So there's just a lot, a lot ahead. Uh, no real plan, much like how I took off from Omaha and had no real plan, but just kind of flying by the seat of my pants, but I guess the, the thing that I want to convey to everybody is that trusting your gut, trusting your inner voices and self, maybe not voices, because there are many, I guess, but they're all different people who have influenced my life, but 
trusting your inner movements is really essential when you when you step into this life of making up your own schedule, uh, working for yourself, uh, you know, designing it all. You have to be really, really okay and willing to have faith. To just simply have faith. I mean, I, I love Jason Stapleton. He's who I met Tom Cease, Carol LeBaron, Ken Madden, many others through. And actually, I have another girl on there, Marissa, that I've, I, I kind of dropped the ball. I've been dropping lots of balls lately. I'm just going to admit it. Uh, dropping the ball on getting back to her. I, she wants to do a podcast, and I think it would be lovely. And of course, right, like just as soon as I decide that I'm going to take like a year after I, after I finally, you know, uh, roll out all of the pre-recorded shows, I'm just going to focus on me and like, you know, having diary entries that are personal so you guys can meet me and kind of watch my mind move a little bit, learn a little bit about the, the inner, the inner Amy. I, I don't even know what it is. It's, it's, now I'd call it, I guess the Holy spirit, but, but it's just my gut. Um, as soon as I do that, of course, people are like, Oh, I want to be on your podcast. There's her and, and another person. So, you know, uh, if you build it, they will come. And for a long time, many years now I have, I've been asking people to interview and kind of chasing people to interview. And now as I'm not as hungry to have people interview and I'm kind of okay with the idea of, of it just being me for a while, wouldn't you know, people are like, Oh, I'm gonna be on your podcast. But anyway, getting back to Jason, I, I met with him for a while for business coaching and, uh, it became apparent to me at one point that I, I, I really didn't know what to talk to him about. Uh, I, I did everything I was supposed to do, you know, and I was doing everything I was supposed to do. It just wasn't, it didn't fit in a nice box with a beautiful bow on it. It, it was a, it was a madness that, uh, that was only mine. That was a method that was only mine. Uh, but it worked and I, I saw the needle moving. I didn't really know how the needle moved, but I, I, I realized that it moved perpetually and I, I was getting closer to my goals and that everything that we would discuss or that, you know, would come up on the Nomad Network or whatever that I was already investigating that. It was just a matter of making the time and really sitting down with things and doing it and learning and I found that when I met with him, I, I didn't, I didn't really have much to talk about because I had lots to talk about, but it, it's weird. It's kind of like how I'm trying to, to talk to you all right now about like what's been going on in my life, how it is and, and what the life of being a self-driving creative is, is kind of like. Um, part of the reason why I wanted to, uh, hook up and, and get some information from Jason was because I really wanted to bring, or at least see how I could bring people more into the fold of what I was doing. You know, if, if there's a method to my madness, but if I can't express what the method is, 
how the hell am I going to bring anybody else into it, right? Like, I mean, that was kind of the, the issues that I had in training people to tattoo is that I, I am not a technical learner. I am a learner that learns by doing. Uh, I have no reservation about getting dirty or even getting hurt or even failing. I just go into things and I guess I've been very fortunate that I've had people hold me back when I was a little too overzealous and show me that like, you know, you know, I don't want to do it like that. That's not going to be a good idea. And, and dealt with my incessant questioning long enough to kind of, I guess, monitor how much confidence I would have at times. But anyway, you know, like my, my ways, they work for me is what I'm saying. They don't necessarily work for anyone else. And I guess that's cool if, you know, you're creating something that is rare, which, you know, my life, I guess, is that, and my art too. But if you want, and if you yearn as I do, I think to breed legacy, and if you want to leave something behind, I think that has a little bit more clarity as to how you got there so that people can track it and understand why a little bit better, that that can help. And not to say that people don't have their own stories and their own paths, for sure. But, you know, if you're listening to a podcast, you're probably, you know, hoping to pick up some tips and tricks as it stands right now. What I can tell anybody is what was told to me is to trust your gut. And, you know, now it's kind of morphed into the Holy Spirit. Just like my friend Tara, who says that she calls God the universe. I mean, it's semantics. We can call it a lot of different things. Uh, and still be talking about the same thing. Which, by the way, came up at church this, uh, this past Sunday. This is interesting. Uh... I'm probably going to go on lots of tangents here uh, because it's kind of where I'm at in my mind. But we're doing a podcast. I'm making a podcast. So that's that's good, right? I'm going to turn out a product and y'all either keep listening or, or not. But I do, I do church every Sunday now and it's from 9.30 a.m. till pretty much whenever, but it's been closing out most days at around 4 p.m. So I spend a significant portion of my time worshiping and atoning on Sundays, which I have to tell everyone, I don't, I don't really care how you do it. I, I would, I recommend highly my church, which also, by the way, thank you to Sam and Danielle, uh, friends of mine, uh, new friends in terms of Sam. I haven't I hadn't met him before this past Sunday, but uh, one of my clients, Danielle, and and now friend, uh, came to experience the church this Sunday. So that was that was really really cool. So shout out to them. But if I were to recommend a way, I would say come to my church because I think it's awesome. Uh, but you know, however you spend your Sunday, I think it's a really good thing. 
if I can recommend, defend a day, defend a day where you spend it fully atoning with your soul. I, I have to say that up until now, I think I spread that kind of worship out more. Uh, maybe not even, I, I, I don't know. I, it's almost as if I'm, you know, going back to school. So maybe that's not the way to, to put it. Uh, you know, going to church is kind of like me going to a class at college, you know, like you spend a considerable amount of time just investing in yourself and learning something you didn't know before. Let's just put it that way. So, you know, not have everything be about work, not have everything about, you know, necessarily directly in any kind of financial or you know, like physically accumulative kind of ways, you know, spend a day just kind of atoning, I think, or, you know, lots of activities where you can atone. I try to have lots because I think I need a lot. But anyway, during, during, uh, Bible study this past weekend, I offered something that I experience a lot because I just felt like the people in my church, the one thing that I, it's not really a critique, it's more of just like I see their hearts and I see what they're they're going after, and it it kind of relates back to everything I've been saying here is this this eagerness, this abundance of eagerness uh, to spread love, you know, uh, to 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 help, to serve. To, to show people that you're there for them. There's just this very intense, much like how I feel about everything that's happening in my life right now, to just get it all done. You know, like we, we want to wave a wand and everything be right, you know? And I, I know that's very human and I know that's it's an issue I have. Um, a lot of my issues come down to a codependency so, you know, this just this need to fix it and particularly this egotistical need to know that you were the one that fixed it. I can, I can definitely relate to that. So I could see that in the people because everybody is always asking in our church about how they can, how they can spread God's love and specifically biblically because they they know the word is the truth and they they want to speak truth they don't want to do anything but speak truth and i i could see that there was kind of a question about how to do that and i was actually thanked after i offered what i offered in bible study later in fellowship but um what I offered was that you have to kind of meet people where they are spiritually. And a lot of what I have noticed about people when it comes to, and myself, I'm not going to say people without including me, because um, that would be wrong. 
But what I've noticed about people is that no one likes to feel like they're being fixed. You know, even, even if, even if they're low or whatever, you know, we have, I mean, pride is not great, but we have ego and nobody likes to feel like someone is dissecting them and picking them apart without really understanding what's going on. And uh, we experience this a lot when we're low and we go to medical professionals specifically, you know, and this person, you know, gives us like five minutes of their time to hear, you know, the most pertinent things, at least pertinent in their eyes. And then they devy out of prescription and they send us on our way. And I think now more than ever, people are feeling very like thrown aside personally when, you know, the, the things that they are experiencing are very real and very impactful to their lives and for them to get such little time and attention to something that is very real and hurting them quite a bit. Uh, I think that there's this immense correlation there. So I told them, you know, you know, one thing that I'm trying to practice because I struggle with this. I, I'm very eager. I'm eager. I'm eager just in terms of eating my food. Like I burn my mouth constantly just because I I'm so eager to eat my food. I don't even let it get it, let it get to a good temperature before I'm shoveling it in my mouth. So I do it with everything. So I understand. And it's like anything when you, when you know the secret to something, you, you just want, you want everybody to like understand it. But what I offered to people is like, you have to listen, you have to listen to people, you know, part of being, uh, I think, uh, a people person or a good person is to truly care and to not skip in your caring and practice things that are, um, trying to save time, whatever the hell that means. Because the truth is there is no time. There, there isn't. It's a, it's a man-made construct to which we, you know, regiment our lives with and, you know, kind of keeps things in balance for us. But it, there is no time. It's just endless, man. It's endless. We're, we're in an endless universe. And, uh, and time really is relative uh, and, and not really a thing. So saving time is crazy. And it's particularly crazy, I think, if you profess to care about somebody. There's very few situations where time is urgently of the essence and you have to act before you can say anything. And those are usually matters of very acute needing to save someone's life so that they're not hurt. Uh, but for the most part, when you're dealing with people and they're, they're confessing that they have pain and they have problems, it's important to take the time to listen to them and meet them where they are within what they are experiencing. And usually if you do that, in my experience thus far, you realize that people kind of contradict themselves within their own statements. I know I do. Um, but you can, you can kind of probe that. And I think that's an in with most people to start kind of 
uh, bringing some healing into their life because I think that a lot of the suffering, particularly in this modern life, we self-induce. And unlike Amy, who was a part of this foot race that she very willingly went into, most people are stuck in suffering that they are not aware of. And doing things actively, choosing to do things that they don't realize that, A, they're choosing, you know, because most people feel like that's just the way things are and that's the way things have always been. So, you know, it's not a choice anymore. You just do what people do. And that's ludicrous <laughs> because things are changing constantly. If there is one thing that is continual and that you can count on is change. So, you know, the, the very fact that people negate their agency to affect change in their own lives is, is a good place to start with most people if you're hoping to bring God into their life um, and faith. Because what you realize when you start walking this path is that you have lots of ability to affect change in your own life. You many, many, many different choices exist, not just the ones that you feel like you have to do. Uh, and usually you feel like you have to do it because of some kind of external pressure. Um, but when you, but when you start listening inwardly and you start, you start paying attention to that and, and really responding to that what you realize is that it, it, the external world doesn't bind you the way it does other people anymore. Um, you're able to navigate the woes of the world a lot differently than other people because you're not bound by it. And I think that that's kind of the in when you start exploring God because it, it's about taking accountability and one of the things that I think that really escapes people right now about life and living it and living it well is accountability um, and accountability just from somebody who you know uh, really doesn't walk into many situations without doing a full risk assessment and commitment to dedicating myself to something and saying, okay, I, I see this fully and I'm going to commit myself. I don't, I don't do that with many things. You know, I, I tend to avoid responsibility unless I am very certain that I am going to be able to accomplish what I say I will. So, uh, you know, accountability is, uh, it, it, it's key, you know, it's, it's very key. And I see a lot in, in life right now where people scream things like, I should, I, I should be able to do whatever I want. Well, you can, <laughs> you can, but you need to understand that actions have consequences they very much so have consequences. And um, 
it's important to understand the potential consequences to certain actions before you make certain choices. But that doesn't mean that you can't choose. It just means that with every choice, there is consequence. So, you know, I, I try to, whenever I'm listening to people, I try to kind of look at the things that they talk about and some of the concepts that they, they would bring up themselves and then parry back to them. And it's a mirroring technique that I was taught in therapy, which is, you know, this is what you've said. This is what I've understood about it. Is this what you were talking about? And we just kind of go further into that conversation so that I can learn about who this person is and how they think and what kind of shackles they might be willingly putting on themselves in their own lives. And that's really been my end. And, uh, you know, one of the issues that came up was that, well, you know, you're, you're playing this, this word, this social, the socialism word thing that's going on right now. And I said, I mean, I guess, but not really. I said, because I'm using all of the expressions of language available to me. The way I see it is, is what, what a lot of people in church were kind of implying is that, yeah, I have a whole palette, but there's one color, one color that's the best out of all those colors. And it's the only one, the only one that's really there. And that's the only color I can use when that's not, I mean, it's not the truth. Uh, I heard from a nun once, she's like, my God is not limited like that. My God is endless in the possibilities to which he can express love. And that's how I feel about God is that there wouldn't be this huge palette before me of all these different colors, all these different flavors, all of the, these different things. If, if I only get to use one, and especially with people who are trying on a lot of things to get where they want to go. You know, you, you have to assimilate to them. You can't, you can't say to somebody who, you know, it's like having a kid go into a, a, a building that has nothing but glass figurines. And they got their plushie toy with them being like, you can't touch anything. You can't touch anything in here. It's just, it's just really... It's asking a lot from somebody who is just, you know, they don't know why. And, and so it's just beyond what they can actually conceive of. And I was trying to tell people at church that like, you know, there's a lot of people when they hear the word Christ or they hear Jesus or they hear the Bible or they hear Christian or they hear... Any of these phrases, Hosanna, they're automatically turned off, automatically turned off. And whilst I can concede to the idea that I'm playing some kind of game here, it kind of goes back to that idea of play. You know, this thing that I saw where they, they kind of brought you in with this concept that we're going to be talking about playing, but, but once they finally get you in there and you examine the play they're talking about, what you realize what you're really talking about is suffering. 
And so, and, and yielding, you know, uh, openly to suffering. So, so I said, you know, one of the guys there, uh, he said, you know, there needs to be more hellfire and brimstone sermons. We need to bring them back and people need to hear more to repent, to repent, to repent. And I said, well, I agree that more people need to repent. I would agree that people need to look in the mirror more and self-assess and ask themselves some serious questions about their life and whether or not they're living what they want or not. But I don't think you have to use the word repent because if the aim of a speech or of a delivery of a sermon is to affect people, I mean, true, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink, but if you can give them a salt lick prior and remind them that in indulging in certain things that they really like, that they're going to want to drink water eventually. If you make them thirsty and you can, you can make them thirstier by, by kind of, you know, understanding what they're, what they're aiming for, what they're, they're trying to do. They're trying to live this life and they're trying to move forward and heal the wounds that, that are, that are persistent in their life. The, the everyday occurrences that feel like setbacks, everything. And you have to appeal to that in some way. As one of our parishioners, he's one of my favorite people there, Neil said, people need, well, no, this is what he said. He said, people don't care what you think until they know that you care. And that was a very succinct way of saying it, but it's true. And when it comes to wanting something from people, which is what I see of the people in my church, is that they, they really, really want people to understand some of the things that they're doing to themselves some of the things that they are bringing into not only their own lives and existence, but the lives of other people who really don't want those things and really understand what's happening and are trying with everything they can to warn people of what they're doing. And they're just not listening. They're just not listening. And I said, you know, why not instead of repent, why can't we say be accountable and then break down what that means? It, it, it leads to the same end. Truth is not shook by, by using a different word. And as I outlined uh, in, you know, to this person who was kind of debating, I don't, I don't want to say his name because, you know, I'm talking about him. I'd rather him just be a, this, this thought space, but he said, you know, um, I only care about the people who are ready for the information. And I said, well, that's, that's all well and good. I said, but you know, the whole point was for people who aren't ready. Maybe why should they be kept from truth too? If the goal is to unveil truth to people, 
then that that doesn't that isn't that isn't something that you you know should should only be concerned about Christians getting you know the, the whole point is that more people understand so I said you know you do care you wouldn't say anything if you don't care you wouldn't you wouldn't tell people to repent or anything if you didn't care about the reasons why they need to it wouldn't sadden you that they're not listening if if you didn't care so a big thing that i really want to kind of affect i even posted on the nomad network is that i i i'm really starting to hate and I do mean hate the phrase, I don't care. Because I think it is one of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves and that we tell other people. And it's really just a cop-out that says that we don't want to deal with it right now. Or that, you know, we're, we're incapable, we don't have the tools necessary to deal with it right now or something. But it is so far from not caring. It is completely caring. Um... Uh, Hold on. Okay. Part of the mission of this podcast is to share really awesome people with all of you. So go check out Eden Health. This is my friend John Simmons' company. Through it, he does acupuncture, nutrition, microneedling, light therapy. But it doesn't stop there, everyone. Like, it's... He's, he's a wealth of knowledge, and I welcome all of you to meet him, go talk to him, reach out to him. You can find him at EdenHealthMD.com. Back to our podcast. So I was talking about caring, uh, but it's funny, another thing has happened. So my car apparently... Uh, Sorry for that break, but uh, my car this morning, the battery is dead. Rico thought he fixed it, but uh, I just got a phone call from him that said that the car <laughs> broke down again. I might need a new car, guys. Uh, my car is a 2010 Hyundai Sonata. I heard while I was in Omaha from Lashera that my friend is Lashera that uh, the engine might just fall out one day. That that's actually a recall notice from my car. So isn't that lovely? So <laughs> the engine hasn't fallen out yet, but it you know it's racking up some some fix it points. Talking about fixing things constantly, but yeah, my my car. Poor Rico, he's stranded. His dad's gonna go get him. Uh, you know, the the things they keep they keep happening, folks. Uh, but I guess with that. Uh, ask you guys for prayers uh, for Rico. Hopefully he doesn't have to sit out in the sun for too much longer. But anyway, back to caring, because I do care. I don't, I don't like that phrase, I don't care. Uh, I think goals for me in the future is to care very deeply about very specific things and really stand up for those things even when a lot of people would have me sit down I'm I'm gonna just be that way because I spent too much of my life being irreverent 
trying on a lot of hats, using every single color of the rainbow, all of that stuff. I mean, I learned a lot. I learned what I liked and I didn't like. I, I think that most people should do that. Um, I think that that's a, a good way of knowing what works for you. Um, some people just know. But uh, I think for myself, it was I was always to play, to experience in a, in a safe way or a um, controlled way. And, you know, learn. Learn from there. So... If you can construct these things for yourself so that when, you know, your car breaks down, you kind of just pluck along with your day the way I am right now. It's not that I don't care. Poor Rico. I asked him, do you want me to stop podcasting right now and come get you? And he said, no, my dad's on the way and the toe's coming. So Rico's really been accumulating some brownie points, I will say, with me. He's he's taken some hits for a relationship, <laughs> which is... It's really awesome. I think that might be God reminding me that he's he's trying really really hard uh, because I have I have been in such a frustrated state lately that I feel like my internal thing to do and I think this is something that a lot of us do as well is that you know we, we take out all of our shit on somebody who's there you know like if we're frustrated we'll, we'll just be frus- frustrated and might not be due to anything someone's doing or if it is it's something little that doesn't require that kind of frustration but you know if they're there and they're in the wake of all that angst they're they're just going to catch some some of it so I have to admit that 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 is what I do in my my relationships I don't think I'm alone um but I I tend to ingrandize moments where it's you know, this isn't forever. It's just, it's just a time that I'm feeling a certain way and, and I end up exploding and, and not in productive ways. So I'm trying to stay a bit more calm and a bit more reflective and a bit more patient and all of those things as, as this, as this, uh, springtime commences. And I guess one, one observation that I really want to highlight because I I noticed this, I think it was last year, and we're, we're just spinning off talking with John Graney over there in Scotland, and I saw this, I was, I was, I was thinking about unicorns. I do think about unicorns a lot because that was my childhood, and... I've expressed before on here, and I will in the future, because I know I recorded a podcast with Carol LeBaron. It was our last one that we recorded where we, we kind of jumped into the whole unicorn phenomenon as well. But um, I found out, I think it was a year ago, that uh, Easter Sunday, it's April 9th, is the uh, it's, it's National Unicorn Day. I believe, over in Scotland, and Scotland's national animal is the unicorn. Uh, so John Graney is over there in Scotland. I, it made me think of him, but I realized that this this Sunday, this Easter Sunday, is actually, for, for them, it's not only going to be, um, 
you know, if, if they're Christian, you know, the resurrection of Christ, but it's going to be a celebration of unicorns. And I thought that was really an interesting, an interesting correlation for me, uh, because I have been thinking for a while about this tattoo that I have on my side that I started with Amber Ramirez and I, I, I had it started at Tattooed Heart Studios back when I worked there and back when Amber was still learning to tattoo and I was trying to, you know, kind of bring her into the understanding that she's going to be doing a lot more big work and I was trying to like, you know, offer up my body for some, a space where she could one, do a bigger piece, but also, you know, explore some, some skill sets or some, some tactics that maybe are less, you know, uh, less what she imagines she wants, you know, for example, she has really great line work and she starts with the line work. Well, one thing that I, I asked her to experiment with was just getting a line in. Uh, I call them bullshit lines. They're just there to help start developing the piece and not have to chase your stencil the whole time. Um, and when you're doing bigger pieces, you know you're going to see them again. So if you just do this, you know, like a five-liner bullshit line where it just, it's not bullshit. It just sets it sets the edge, the boundary of the design so that you can start doing shading, coloring. And then at the end, once you see the whole piece and you kind of know where you're getting at, you can, you can bulk lines where you need to and you can leave certain ones really faint. You know, it just allows you to kind of see the whole piece as you're developing it. And with Amber, that's much how she drew. She would draw a sketch, then she would give it like a subtle line with like a pencil and then she'd start shading and coloring and then finally she'd go back through and she'd do a bolder line. So part of this, this piece that I have with her on my side, uh, it was an exploration of all those things. So as most of the people who listen know, I, I was let go during COVID and when I was let go, Amber and I still had this piece between us and it's huge. It runs from right above my hip on my side all the way up into my armpit and onto my bicep of my right side. So it's quite a big piece and what it is of is a unicorn skull with all of these uh, potentially deadly flowers around it and a candle that has been blown out. And it's a really cool piece and I'll be posting a picture so everybody can see where it is actually in progress. But I've been wanting to get this piece finished. And before I talk about that, I'll tell you what, how this kind of went so that you can kind of track this and maybe root me on a little bit, give me some, some good, good VBs, some good vibes. Uh, prayers going into this, but I always wanted a unicorn. Uh, they were huge growing up. I was that girl, the horse girl, the unicorn girl. I love them. And I love them for the reasons that they symbolize. Uh, they were about purity and grace and power, and they were very special. And everything that I witnessed 
as a child about unicorns had that air about it. And a lot of it was about, you know, kind of lore that said the only people who could really reign in a unicorn was, at least naturally, without capturing it, without taking away its freedom, was a a virgin, you know, somebody who is innocent and pure and innocent, that they were attracted to purity and innocence. And, um, you know, as a, as a thing growing up, it was very sacred to me. Uh, it still is very sacred to me. And, uh, so I always wanted a unicorn, but as I got older, I saw more and more this creature, the symbol, be corrupted. At least that's how I see it. Hevel, heavily marketed, heavily uh, used for ends that are not, I think, preserving of its ultimate meaning. And it has cheapened it and made it very campy, very fluffy and gumdroppy and saccharine and live, laugh, love, fucking Chatsky. That's what it's become. And at least to me. And I I see this now and I'm, I'm very sad about that. And the whole point, well, first, when, when I experienced the first rendition of my tattoo, it was when Amber couldn't tattoo at all. She was designing tattoos and doing, doing her, you know, just doing her. And a lot of the things that she explores are magical, dip into magic and uh, witches and, uh, cryptids and, you know, uh, mythology and, and things like that. She loves that stuff. And, uh, she, she drew this unicorn skull that I just thought was absolutely stunning. It was surrounded by, I think, poisonous flowers still, but I saw it when she drew it and I said, I want that. And she goes, what? And I, I was like, I want that. That is not to go on anybody but me. And she goes, well, I don't even know how to tattoo that right now. Like, I, I said, that's okay. You will. And when you are ready to, that's mine. That is nobody else's but mine. And I was thinking about it and I was, all my tattoos have meanings. They don't necessarily unveil their meanings until, until I think it comes down to getting them. Sometimes the, the meaning is uh, a forethought, but it's also a during, it's like a, a making, like it's a, it, it makes itself mean something as it happens. And this one very much so did the same thing. I started thinking about one, and I've always wanted a unicorn, but I didn't want this campy thing that it had become because that didn't resonate with me. And all live unicorns kind of felt that way to me. Like they felt like they had just been cheapened. There's no real way to express them on my body that I felt like would 
would would illustrate the the level of the depth to which I care about this creature and the symbol. And when I saw the unicorn skull, I was like, that's it. It can't be a live unicorn, but a dead one I think I can, I can relate to. Because in a lot of ways, this thing has, I've had to watch it die. And then I started thinking about myself and my own innocence, my own journey in becoming a person and how I have had to watch a lot of my innocence die. All my preconceived notions, certain dreams, certain uh, hopes die. And it's not entirely sad because it's, it's, it's more about like, you know, coming into reality and dealing with reality and uh, realizing that my dreams are just that. They're, they're not real. They're, they're projections. And the reality of them is that I'm supposed to note, much like I do with a piece of artwork or something, you know, I'm supposed to note what they mean to me, what, what they mean to my life and to my character and what to do with it, what to do with that emotion, that energy and how I took everything and why, why I'm dreaming of these things, you know? So I, I dubbed this tattoo, the death of dreams. And I told Amber when we started kind of planning doing this, that I really wanted this tattoo to hurt. So part of this was also me trying to tattoo spaces that I know are really painful, that people have complained about being really painful. And so I was like, I know that this as it stands will not go into my armpit, but I want this to go into my armpit. And so I made Amber extend the design and we crafted a image that fully extends this idea based in what it is, which is, like I said, the death of dreams. So we have a blue burnt out candle. And from what I remember, blue had something to do with sleep and dreaming and, and that kind of realm, um, you know, kind of like an ethereal hope and it's blown out and then there's all these deadly flowers around and you know it's not devoid of being a unicorn and from what they say about unicorns in in lore that a unicorn's horn has power beyond its life that the horn itself has a purification process to it. That if you dip the horn of a unicorn into waters, it'll make the water good for drinking, pure again. And so I 
think there's something very symbolic that's happening here uh, for me. But I made up my mind today that I needed to contact Amber because it's been years now and I really have been trying not to let my tattoos take years to complete. I really, I, 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 I don't like it when my clients do it just because it's hard to get back in the rhythm of a tattoo that you've let sit that long. Um, so I shouldn't do that, right? Like I can't, I can't ask that of my clients and then do it myself, but I've been doing that. And, uh, you know, a big re reason is, is that it's going to be very painful, but in a different way, it's going to be physically painful, but now I have to go and I have to confront a studio, a place that I know I no longer belong and sit and get this tattoo finished that I really want done. But now I, I, I don't fit in that environment the same way again. And it's going to be hard to do that. I actually had a dream about it not too long ago where I was like, oof, Amy, you might not be ready for this yet because I had so much anger still. But I've decided that it's necessary, and I've also decided that it doesn't mean that anything's going to happen anytime soon. Poor, you know, not poor Amber, lovely Amber is very busy right now, and she has a lot of things planned for April, May, June. She's, she's booking those things up, so this might not happen until, you know, it might not happen until next year. I don't really care when it happens, it was important for me to reach out to her and start the ball rolling. So I did that just today. Uh, and I, I let her know, I was like, look, you, you have every right and opening to reject finishing this if you want to. I said, I know I don't, I'm not really everybody's cup of tea back at Tattooed Heart, but I want you to know that like, if this is something that you don't want to do moving ahead, I'm fine with that and I'll, I'll take it as I have to from here, uh, much like I am anything that is happening to me now. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna respond to what I get and move forward, but I want to start finishing some things and I want to start moving forward and I need to tick these things off my list. And just like I think finishing this tattoo, I, I, I think this will heal me in some way. I think this is the path to healing s some much needed wounds that I still have in my heart uh, about everything that went down in 2020. I don't know why I feel that way, I just do. And I also am presently doing some flash of unicorn skulls because I think that everybody should get to uh, partake in this with me. This is my craft. I'm able to express uh, these ideas in a visual way and if anybody hears this and wants to collect from me a unicorn skull uh, as I am very passionate about unicorns and I do think they're powerful beyond beyond everything even beyond dying 
uh, much like our Savior. I would like to offer that to anybody who would like to collect a unicorn skull. I'm going to be releasing them Easter Sunday for everybody to see. And I'm going to be uh, booking those those uh, appointments. Uh, they're not going to happen all at once. But I'm going to release the image Sunday, this Easter Sunday. And um, I, I guess contact me if you want them. They're going to be on more than just uh I, if you claim a piece there that's your piece that's your tattoo i will probably use the design beyond that though on shirts and things like that i want to start doing a whole line of uh faith-based tattoos so this will be probably a part of that collection as well as a beyond the pale specific collection uh, I, I'm, I'm being pulled towards doing things like that on the way back in Ohio when we stopped at this antique store called, uh, uh, Brick Road, uh, Antiques. We, I found all these really cool old Bibles and religious stories and old calendars of, you know, uh, religious statements for the day and I bought a lot of them because they were just so beautiful and they were so inexpensive and, and colorful and such beautiful 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 imagery on them so I'm going to kind of walk in that direction as far as like the artwork that I'm going to put out as ready-made designs that's where I'm going with it uh, the unicorn series is not you're probably not going to get uh, any kind of religious hearkenings with them just because th this is about this is about I, I guess me processing the pain of of losing my innocence but also the celebration of moving forward beyond that death and knowing that there's still hope it's not completely dead that there is there is a skull that remains there is this horn that still holds power and also just uh so everybody uh you know kind of knows a little bit of the history of this the reason why the unicorn is uh the scottish uh national an animal is because they're very hard to capture and they're very hard to hold. So as they're presented uh, and when they join the United Kingdom, the only other animal that flanks the unicorn is the lion because that is the symbol for England. So the lion and the unicorn, constant enemies, but that's the only creature that can really, uh, I think, go up against a unicorn and Scottish people, just because they, I think, are so uh, willful as a people and so hard to hold, that that's an animal that speaks very much to them. Usually it's characterized with a gold chain around its neck, which they say the only other people that can house a unicorn or have a, a unicorn held captive is a king. They're the only ones holy enough to actually capture a unicorn. 
uh, I think that's a lot of ego, personally, and I think that, uh, for me, that's where the whole marketing of unicorns really came in. I feel like, uh, for myself, the gold, the gold chain around its neck means that, uh, kings, political people use the system or this, this symbol rather, uh, they use it to their own wants and wills. And in my experience, they corrupt something that is very pure and not to be held by anyone or anything, but to be protected, uh, sacrificed for, given, given into and admired from afar for the free, beautiful thing that it is. And just as we would, or I hope we would, protect uh, a child, a child's ability to experience the world and gather tools, foundational tools that will very much so aid them in building whatever kind of life they want ahead and give them the space to experience those things without stacking a bunch of shit on top of them that they don't need and really will not benefit them and will just confuse them. That's, that's how I see that, is that that chain represents the corruption of what money and marketing and selling something that should never be sold, what that does. And uh, I hope that as I move forward, getting, getting all the things on my list ticked off, that I will get closer and closer to something that I feel has been lost in me for a while. And I have to tell you all that I'm very excited. There's a lot to do. Nothing's gonna get done all at once, but I'm doing my spring cleaning now and I'm gonna do it. It might be late, but it will happen. So without further ado, I hope everyone has a great, great, great week. If you are Christian, I wish you a wonderful uh, celebration this weekend, Good Friday, and an awesome Easter Sunday. Praise God in all things, and uh, I love you guys. Blessings be. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our our listeners. listeners.